0: Hey, what's the story? You're listening to Origin Stories, a podcast where entrepreneurs, founders, and business leaders reflect on their past and identify the key turning points that help them go from zero to hero. My name is Robert Tai, and I'm a journalist and the founder of StoryBud, a company that helps businesses tell better stories. I've been lucky enough to work with some high achievers over the last 18 years, and in Origin Stories, I chat with them about how they make big decisions and what you can learn from their mistakes. Welcome to Origin Stories. My guest this week is Sharon Piper. Sharon, you're very welcome. Good to see you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Sharon is the CEO of Attain, an Auckland-based company that specialises in brand, media, marketing and sales strategies for for businesses. The, uh, The bio on your website talks about your background. The intro to the bio reads, after being born into a broken and dysfunctional home, Sharon Piper was supposedly destined for a life of drugs, gangs and eventually prison. After being expelled from three different schools and being told by teachers and his own father that he would grow up to be nothing, Sharon almost fell into that exact fate. However, through resilience and a couple of key conversations with certain people, he was inspired not to let his past define his future. That's that's pretty um that's pretty heavy stuff, Sharon. How does it feel for you now listening to that or reading it back
1: um all these years later? How does it feel? That's a really good question. Uh, it's a strange one to answer because I'm still living the journey you know, and how it feels, it feels like, it feels great, you know, like obviously life could have been completely different but, you know, you could argue that you ask some of those people that aren't the best contributors in society how they feel and they might also feel great with who they are. So um, for me, how it feels is it feels that I've just learned the power of making decisions and how that can, um, you know, moving yourself forward and Choosing the right path or choosing a path that's not destructive to yourself and people around you can um, really make life a lot more satisfying.
0: What What age were you, Sharon, when you when you first became aware that your upbringing was uh, a little bit different to other kids, to put it mildly? <laughs> uh,
1: I probably knew I was operating different to other kids at, at a very young age. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I knew I was operating different when I was in my early teens, um, you know, probably 12, 13 years old, when... Uh, I would get into fights, and the goal for me was to really see someone actually hurt rather than just get in a fight for the sake of having a fight, if you know what I mean. Um, I I always felt different and that it wasn't right, but it was all I knew. Um, You know, sort of getting into uh, turning around 14, 15 was when a, a real, I guess, moment for me when I knew that it wasn't the right fit for me, if that makes sense. I knew that something... Uh, had to change, and then if I carried on on the path that I was on, that it was going to become very destructive.
0: That was reflective of the environment you were raised in. That that um, that uh, acting out, if you like and, and, and seeking out fights and seeking out violence was was a reaction to what was happening in your home life. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, look, my home life was was a real mess. As a kid growing up, we went from uh, gangs and drugs through to um, very extreme religion, I guess you could call it. So I often say to people, it's a mix of once for warriors and Gloria Vale. Uh, and then uh, and then back to alcohol again, at, at, at my teenage years. And um, it was, I suppose that, the, you know, you can look back and go, oh, that was horrible. That, you know, it shouldn't have happened and it, and it shouldn't have happened. But there's a lot of good that came out of it as well you know i learned how to fight i learned um you know for what what i believe in i learned how to um really stand up for myself i've learned how to look out and look after myself um you know my mother was wasn't the best of mothers you know and look lover to pieces but you know she's no longer with us and um growing up there was no love there was no care i've got her diaries which talked about how much she hated me and all this sort of stuff that was really hard as a child. So, you know, for me, I learned very young um, how to look out for myself, how to, I guess, survive in a world where everything was against me and um, and was for me not to survive. So uh, translating that into later in life now, those skills are, are, have been incredibly valuable for being able to, you know, achieve the, the things that I want, the goals that I set and the things that I want to achieve.
0: Is coming from a dysfunctional background something that a lot
1: of high achievers have in common? Would you say? I think we all have it in common. Mm. I I don't think that I, I don't honestly don't think that anybody is um, disadvantaged or advantaged because of it. You know, if you come from a background that's that's um, you know had the silver spoon and everything's been given to you, that's a disadvantage. Um, You know, but, but I've seen people that have done that and also gone on to do really great things. I, I don't think that we should let our past rule our future. And what I've learned through my journey so far is that it all comes down to it's just about choices. Everybody has choices. And yes, some people are disadvantaged based on where they're born and what families they're born into and the amount of money they have in their pocket. But if you're measuring success purely on the amount of money someone can make or um, high achievement based on solely the amount of money that that person makes, I think that's the wrong way to measure someone's success. Um, but I think. Yeah, high achievers, um, anyone that wants to achieve anything, are just people that don't use excuses. Very good.
0: You, you, you talk about choices there. What were some of those key choices that you made as a teenager that kind of took you down one road instead of the other dark um,
1: dark road that you could have gone down? Well, there was a number of moments of where I had to make those choices. One of them that I'll, I'll never forget was um, I, I sort of got kicked out of the last high school I was only about 15 years old, didn't really know what I was going to do with my future obviously, I thought it was great because at that age, you know, I was just a rat bag and I thought, this is cool, I don't have to go to school anymore, um, you know, I'll stay at home all day, my dad didn't really care, didn't know what to do with me and I'll never forget the morning actually, it would have been about 4am in the morning, I heard this rusty old van rattling up our driveway and uh, next thing you know, I hear the door being bashed on and I'm hearing these massive big footsteps coming down towards my bedroom. And if you can imagine, like, the environment I was brought up in, what was going through my head was I was absolutely freaking out. You know, what is this? What's happening? What's going on? These guys bashed into my into my bedroom, dragged me out of my bed without saying anything, and threw me in the back of the van. Now, I have no idea who these people were. I had no idea what, you know, where I was going, what was going on. I'm sitting in this van, and I'm, all I'm hearing from the front seat is this semi-familiar voice that just says, Sean, you've got a choice to make. You can either be like your father or you can be a better man. And I was just like, okay, this is, this is really weird. I said, oh, stop the van. I want to be like my father. And he just said to me real simply, goes, wrong choice. And he kept driving. And that continued for, for probably a period of about three or four months until I decided to stop fighting getting in the van. That man was my uncle. And he's a great man. I, I hadn't met him for, like since I had been probably about three years old. I hadn't seen him. But he just knew that I needed a helping hand. I needed someone to come and just take me off that path. You know, I think the power of having a good, strong mentor there and someone who looked out for me but at the same time understood that I needed to learn the consequences of choices was really, really powerful. Did you say this happened over a period of three months, these kind of dawn raids, so to yep. speak? <laughs> And they would work me so hard that I'd get home, I'd go to work at four in the morning and get home at like eight o'clock at night. I couldn't get up into mischief because I was just so exhausted. So
0: so he was taking you to a construction site to do building work, right?
1: Correct, yep. Okay. So I started off actually actually as, a, as laboring for a bunch of block layers. So I was mixing barrows of, of, um, of mortar and cutting blocks around building sites and just basically being yelled at all day. But um, it certainly... Uh, it made it. It made a big impact on my life, and like I said, I learned. I learned very early on the power of hard work and the power of making the right choices.
0: Was it the hard work, or was it maybe getting the pay packet at the end of the week that was legitimate and legally earned on your own? Which of those two do you think was the biggest motivation?
1: I don't think it was a pay packet. In the, first few <laughs> <laughs> in the first few weeks, actually, or months. Um, honestly, it was. It was the, that. I felt satisfied. I felt that Mm. I was actually achieving something. And, you know, I I could see myself changing just doing that job. And if I look back, you know, the the satisfaction of, you know, going in and seeing a blank empty building site and all of a sudden seeing the foundations put down, um, it was really quite motivating at the time.
0: How did your father react?
1: My father didn't really care much about me. So he didn't, uh, there wasn't too much to be said. Him and I have had a very um, uh, strained relationship over the years. And, Mm. um, yeah, we, we again. Whilst you know, I was living with him at the time, it certainly was a a, um, a time of survival for me and trying to survive on my own.
0: So he didn't see you as a young apprentice or somebody who was going to initiate into the gang lifestyle. He was he was he was happy to to to, to see you just yeah get out of his life almost.
1: Look, I think there's moments of of both there. I think he really was. Um, Motivated to see me follow in his footsteps. I remember um, my mother always telling me one of the reasons she didn't like me was because uh, my father's goal was that I would be like him and I'd be his protege. And so, you know, there was a lot of grooming that happened, and I was very much like him for a long time, very selfish, um, you know, didn't have a lot of emotions um, and just very violent and angry. And um, you know it, it took a long time to break a lot of that i still struggle with a lot of that to be honest you know it's something that, that i have to somehow um i'm consciously aware of it which helps uh but when we talk about choices that's one of the choices i've got to continuously make is i don't want to be like him yeah
0: a couple of years on the construction site, working hard, getting, um, you know, your hands um, tough and, and calluses and all the rest, I'm sure. You started your own business at 17. What gave you the notion or the balls to, to do that, Sharon? Where, where did that come from?
1: Well, the, the funny thing was, after a couple of months working with my uncle, uh, one of the builders that I had been on the building sites that we were working on uh, offered me a building apprenticeship. Mm. And so I spoke to my uncle about it and he just said, well, Sharon, you have a choice. And I said, oh, okay. Um, his labourers and other workers, if you like, were they, they weren't the, the best in society either. They were, you know, they liked to drink and party and I thought, well, this is a really good number of good I know these guys now and I could align myself with them. So I said, Oh, well, I'll stay with you, Uncle. And he just said, Wrong choice. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up getting forced into doing a building apprenticeship was which was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, Throughout that apprenticeship, it wasn't easy. It was the old school apprenticeship where I've got scars on my forehead from where I was whacked around the head by the the site foreman for, you know, I didn't listen to him properly, so he'd throw over the two at me or just it was, you know, you'd turn up in the the start of the day expected to do all of the rubbish jobs, you know, and and I think knowing what apprentices are like these days, uh, I probably would have had a very good claim for some sort of personal grievance (laughs) if I wanted to. Okay. But it kept me on track, but it also motivated me to leave there. Mm. I was determined to finish the apprenticeship because I like to finish what I'd started. So uh, I got my apprenticeship signed off um, as soon as I could. And uh, the day that my apprenticeship was uh, signed off, I said, see you later. And I went out and started building houses, um, working on my own.
0: Wow. Yeah, you know, I obviously want to talk to you about your journey from that, from building houses at the age of 17 to what you do now. But obviously with Attain, you're um, heavily involved in sales strategy and and, and, yeah. and helping businesses win more sales. And, and, and you're recognized as one of the, the, the experts in New Zealand in that space. When did you first become aware of sales or selling as a concept? Now I want you to go way back. I mean, this might have been oh. when... It might have been something you sell your father do in terms of selling. It might have been something you had to do yourself in terms of selling. Um, When did you first become aware of what selling meant?
1: Some of the first, um, I guess, experiences in selling for me were when I was uh, in my um, teenage years, about 11 years old. Uh, I started just knocking on the doors needing to make some money. Um, So I'd go and uh, sell my services, if you like, to my lawns for my neighbours. It was a good way to case the place, but at the same time, it was my my first experience of selling. on top of that, I ended up um, uh, stealing a whole bunch of um, like merchandise pins from my grandfather's uh, business, and then going door to door selling those as well. So, um, you know I, I learned through that how how to you know use what I had, if you like, to try and make a bit of extra pocket money. Um, I then went on to get a paper run and while I had the paper run, I found that if I stopped at the dairy and bought a bag of lollies, I could sell those door to door while I was delivering newspapers. So in some way, selling has always been part of what I've done because it was a way for me to earn some money to um, to fund my lifestyle at that age. But um, I guess when I really switched that what I was doing was being a salesman was when I started the building company. Mm. And, you know, I was a 17-year-old ratbag who, um, you know, you wouldn't have trusted me to build your home. And so here I am rocking up trying to get these building jobs and realising that, you know, I had this beat-up van, I was wearing ripped shirts and clothes, um, I had a dog sitting in the front of it that looked like it would tear your head mm-hmm. off, uh, and saying, hey, can I do the job for you? And and I couldn't quite connect why they wouldn't trust me to go off and do the job. Um, so that, that was when I realised that actually there's something more that I need rather than just being good at building, I actually need to you know, know how to put myself forward and actually sell myself. Um oh. and,
0: and how did you upskill yourself? How did you
1: How did you learn
0: the the, the tricks of the trade? For for one of a better word, Sharon. Sure?
1: Yeah, so um, I I was fortunate enough at the time to have uh, again good mentors. So I have had good mentors around me at that stage. And one of my mentors said, uh, put me in touch with a sales coach at the time and said, you should have a chat to this chap. He'll put you through a sales program and do some coaching with you. Um, and that really did inspire me, so his name's Brett. And Brett was, was probably one of the most genuine down-to-earth guys I'd ever met. And he just made selling so simple. He made me realize that it wasn't um, what you pictured when you watched Wolf of Wall Street or, you know, the, the um, I guess, uh, big use to, to label used car salesman, et cetera. You're not trying to flog a product. You're just trying to convince somebody that you're, you're capable of doing the job and you can add value to what, what you do. Um, So he he really introduced me to the fact that selling, he he likened it very much to what I was doing when I was building, to having a plan, having a process, and just following that plan and process and tweaking it as you go. Um, And through that over the years and selling, um, I've just seen how powerful that can actually be. Yeah, and,
0: and obviously you got pretty good at it pretty quickly because you built that building company into a monster,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, it was a monster, all right. So uh, we were doing around $27 million a year at, at, at its wow. height. And it was, um, yeah, it was. It, it got into be, become a bit of a beast. We learned how to uh, get out of the tender market. We learned how to control the sale. We learned how to make sure that um, it was honest and transparent in what we were doing and the way that we were selling. Um, but yeah, it was it was a, a real fine art that we perfected um, and and worked really really well.
0: And then the GFC hit, right?
1: Yeah, so I was I was fortunate that um, prior to that I had a couple other businesses as well that we were running. But um, the GFC was a was a massive game changer because what I realised was I knew how to sell, but I didn't know how to run a business. I, you know, and if I look back. know at the time of the gfc i think i was about 27 28 years old i've been running the building company for you know um 10 years or or more Mm -hmm. but i had never really understood um you know the the wider business landscape if you like now a lot of things that i've done like i said i was was good at selling so i could keep the sales coming in but i was also very vulnerable in a lot of areas as well and, and that was um i wanted to trust people and i still want to trust people today that hasn't really changed but I can trust with a bit more um, risk management around that these days, whereas back then I just trusted people too much and unfortunately ended up when they couldn't pay because of, for whatever reasons in the GFC, I ended up having myself in a big hole that I couldn't get myself out of. Um, Yeah.
0: How did you get out of it? How did you turn things around and how long did it take? Was it a a process?
1: Yeah, so it was a really hard year, actually. So um, there was probably... There's a moment where you know, I built something that was built on my name and it had failed miserably. It had completely wiped me out. I mean, I had to start everything again from scratch. And I, I took a long time to recover in the sense that it took me a couple of months just to even come out of my bedroom. You know, I was so depressed and, and just wanted to end it all again because I kept going back to, well, am I just that kid? You know that that should have been a rat bag. Have I just you know wasted all this time trying to be a good, upstanding person and and you know all for what you know? And I had, had had my family at the time, you know, so wife and two children that I had to be responsible for. Um, you know, there was all this pressure on me. I felt like if I walked outside, I was just so embarrassed and so I guess, um, I don't know, it was, it was my own pride and ego that was really tearing me apart more than anything, you know, because at the end of the day, what I've learned through all this is money's just money it comes and it goes it's just what it is that was just a business it didn't work it failed big deal you know i'm now in hindsight i'm glad it did because it's taught me so much but in that moment it was tough so it took me 12 months to really um figure out that i can actually get back up from this in fact it took me more than that it took me 12 months just to get back into the workforce properly but it, it probably took me at least another four or five years of actually trying to Realise that actually I, I have got some skills and I, I do know what I'm doing and I am capable of actually getting back up again and doing this properly. Um, but it, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, it was. Uh, I guess it, it, it's hard when you're in it and when you're stuck. Mm. And again, it comes back to I had a very good friend who was what who had been an employee in my business, and he just came around and started knocking on my door and going, Sean, you got a choice, man." either come out with me and do some work with me or you sit home and you just be miserable and and for me it's those words you have a choice again start to resonate you know so i made a choice to get back up but it's an issue that a lot of us have
0: isn't it identifying most of ourselves with our job and our role and if that disappears uh, then then we can find ourselves in trouble really easily right yeah Um, absolutely yeah, in, in terms of Attain then and the journey to starting Attain, when, when and how did that happen? Because moving from being, a, I suppose, a builder, a really successful builder to being a business consultant, how did, how did that shift happen?
1: It's been part of the journey for me of the building company, the failure in that, what I sort of got back up and realized was that this is happening every day. And every day there's businesses that fail and, you know, you look at the even the the stats of the number of businesses that fail and people commit suicide. I was close to that. So I looked at that and went, I don't want that for anybody else and I want to help other people either not fail or if they do fail, get back up stronger than when they went down. And so – I started on this journey of going, okay, rather than going back in and just starting a business again and and seeing if it works, I want to learn. So I spent the next sort of, I guess, uh, four years just really going back to basics and learning. So I went and worked in a a large multinational company and just started at the base as a salesman. And I thought, I'll give this a go and see what happens. Um, in, In that role as a salesman, I figured out real quickly, again, by applying process that I could Um, absolutely, um, I guess, smashed their targets. I think my first target was set at a million dollars a year and I I beat that target in the first three months of starting there, Um, you know, so the the process really started to roll quite quickly when I could see how that could work. But so did the career operation. What were you selling, Sharon? What were you selling? Fire extinguishers and, so so the the funny thing was when I started with them, I, I said to them, what would you like me to sell? And they said, fire. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, everything to the fire protection. I'm going, but like, that's a huge scope. What do you actually want me to sell? And this was a big problem at the start was the company had no real idea of what it is they were selling or how to position that and sell that in the market. So, um, yeah, it was that was an interesting uh, uh, realisation in itself.
0: And through that process and realising that you had a, had a knack for this and you were acquiring all this knowledge that led to Attain and, 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 and figuring out you could
1: help other businesses? Look, but part, partly, I guess, through that process, what I realized was that even the big guys don't have it figured out.
0: Right.
1: I, I realized that you know, they didn't have CRMs, they didn't have processes, they didn't have good culture. You know, there were a number of issues that, that drive up, um revenue and sales, right? So one of the things that, that, I was, um, that I did was I went back to university. Well, I went to university. Mm. <laughs> Having left high school you know, at 15, going to university was a big shock. But I thought, what best place to go and see if there's something in the academic world that maybe I've missed and I needed. So part of my learning was going in the workforce and working in the big companies, and the other part was actually going back to school and going, maybe there was something back in high school that I should have listened to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I finished my MBA uh, a couple of years ago, but that, was, um, that in itself was a huge uh, learning curve. I bet, I bet. Uh, you've been through so much. What's
0: been the biggest crisis you faced in your life, would you suggest?
1: And what's been the biggest crisis? Um, probably the building company failure was a, a moment where I was at my darkest, you know, where I felt like it could all end. Um, but I look back again, and like I said, what it's just—it's how it's the people around you that you need, and it's the choices that you make that make all the difference. You know, I think I've read something somewhere where it said. If, they're, uh, if you're in a room with four smart people, you'll be the fifth. If you're in a room with four dumb people, you'll be the fifth, you know. And and so I think it's really important to have good people around you. Um, you know, as far as the, the major crises go, I, I don't really like to, to think of it as a crisis as such. For me, it's just it's just life. It's the journey we go on and everyone goes through something. And like I said at the start, you know, having a – uh, underprivileged upbringing versus a privileged upbringing doesn't make anyone's story better than someone else's, climbing a mountain or not climbing a mountain, just getting out of bed in the morning is still just as powerful as each other. Um, you know.
0: Absolutely. Were, were there any specific resources or tools or techniques you used to help you get through, through that period, I'm sure?
1: Yeah, um, so one big thing was, again, it's about, um, I guess, uh, there's a model, if you like, that I use with a lot of companies, and it's just called Goya, so G-O-Y-A, and it's really simple, just get off your ass. Um, for me, you know, I, I love boxing, I competed in boxing for a number of years as an amateur, um, and what I learned through that, that sport was that you just got to keep getting back up and moving forward, You know, if you get knocked down, come back out stronger. If you get a hard hit, you've got to fight back harder. Um, So for me, the the learnings and things that I I looked at was, one, get back up. Don't wait to be hit. You know, try and strike first and strike fast. So try and get ahead of what's coming in in the marketplace now. You know, I I wasn't aware of what a time of what a global financial crisis would be. I wasn't even thinking about global markets. I was just building you know, and I was having fun and I had a great team and I was loving life at the time. But I was very focused just on what was in front of me. So having a bit more of a wider wheel of view has been very helpful. Um, and then I guess with that wider wheel view, though, focusing on the things that, that I can control within that and, and that's the stuff that, that helps you keep moving forward and at, at the right pace.
0: What is it about sales that appeals to you?
1: It's not sales mm. as such, mm. right? Because when you say sales, people think, oh, I'm not a salesman. Yeah. You know? And the reality is we're all salespeople. Everybody sells all the time. It's more the psychology. It's more the, the reasons we buy and the reasons we sell. You know, every business, every business to succeed needs to have sales coming through the door. Right? Every business. You can you, you have the greatest service, the greatest product, the, be the best at what you do in the world, but if you can't sell that and convince someone else why you're the best, it's not going to work. So sales involves not just the conversation and not just the art of trickery and magic and smoke and mirrors, mm. but sales is about being very, very good at what you do first and foremost. Mm. It's about relationships. It's about how you connect with people, how you build trust. Sometimes you've got a split second to build trust with somebody, but that deal could be make or break for your business. Mm. You know. It's, sales is about knowing who your clients are and knowing, um, you know, look at what's happened within New Zealand. One small part of their business, you know, has got one small client that's now had a massive impact on their brand. All of this comes back to part of their process should be knowing who we're selling to and then how those approvals go through the door. Um, so for me, I guess, I, I focus on sales because um, sales is what marketing leads to. Sales is what branding leads to. But sales really is the lifeblood. It's what, what we all need to keep a business going and to put food on our table. And when I look at how can I help businesses avoid the stress that I went through, we don't just sit there and look at it and go, okay, um, we need to fix the way that you talk to that person and close that deal or ask for a business. We look at the entire business strategically and go, right, well, what's going to influence that end outcome? You know, and, and it starts way back here in how maybe you, you do your production, how you source your materials. Maybe it starts in um, the type of people that you hang around with. So we look at the entire business strategically and go, okay, what is it that you actually need? And that's, that's what I really love. A lot of it
0: probably comes back to, uh, to choices again, Sharon. I mean, you, you talked about the choices that you've made in your life. Part of your role, I guess, I'm guessing, is to help people make better choices and help them make the right choices.
1: Yep, absolutely. Mm. And, and choices are huge when, because when you're starting a business out or even if you're in an established business and you're getting desperate, those choices can become harder and harder to make the right choices. Mm. You know, um, Again, in New Zealand case in point, maybe someone made that choice to, to bring on that military because uh, they were desperate to reach their sales budget that month. right? So yeah. it's, it's really important, I guess, um, I believe, when you're selling that you've got to know who you are. Got to know who your client is, and you've got to stay firm and, and trust that when you make the right choices, the right things will happen. Uh, I know uh, that
0: you're uh, renowned in the industry for being one of the hardest working uh, people in, in the space.
1: What do you do when you're not
0: working, Sharon? What, what, what do you do to relax?
1: Oh, hang. On. <laughs> um, there's not. There's not a lot of time. Um, <laughs> I um, I, look, I love going to the gym. I love going for a run with my daughter um you know my son and i've just started boxing together so yeah just just spending time with the family and and um you know trying to be outside as active as possible really is is probably the best way to relax for me
0: cool and i know that you're a a big uh book reader uh any books you're reading at the moment what are you reading at the moment
1: Oh look, I'm I'm reading a book at the moment. I think it's called Scaling Up. So I'm reading that one again. Yeah. Um, I find it's a really useful book for a lot of businesses. Um, I'm constantly reading. So, but I, I I don't like to. I'm not a sit and physical reader, physical book. I just listen to the Blinkist. If I like the book, then from the Blinkist, then I go on and listen to the full book. But uh, oh.
0: yeah, is it always non-fiction? Is it always yeah? No
1: no, nah, for me, it's always, yeah, it is, it's always a business-type book. I just find it a waste of time to read a book, but I can watch the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: In, in terms of the business, what are your ambitions for it? Where do you want to take Attain?
1: Awesome. Great question because that's something that we've been going through a lot. I, I really have a dream that Attain will become um, the McKinsey of revenue for companies. You know that, That's our goal. So we, we are really heavily focused on being a revenue agency um, we, we're not just a marketing agency. We don't just do campaigns. We don't just do, you know, sales training. Like I said, we work on strategy with companies. Um, you know, we do, we've got a, a great team of consultants that can come in depending on the company, the industry, uh, and can really put together actual plans. But the difference that we're doing with consulting, and this is what I really want to get us known for, is that we don't just want to come in and preach to people, but we want to come in and actually show people how it can be done. Plus, hold them accountable to doing it and sometimes maybe even do it with them or for them. Um, and I think that makes us a lot of, a, a, a big difference from just a consultant that will come in and give you the advice and go, here's the plan, now go and do it. You know, we, we're really seeing our clients get their results because they're actioning these plans and we're walking with them, holding their hands. Is it a crowded space out there? Um, look, there's, there's enough business for everybody in this world. Mm. You know, is it crowded? Yeah, it's always crowded, Mm. you know, but that's why it comes back to it's really important to know who your clients are. It's really important to know, um, you know, what you're good at and to know when to bring someone else in. So we often, like I find at the moment with some of my clients, I'm in there working with them on their revenue strategies, um, but we'll have their business coach in there as well working alongside us to make sure that they're working. We'll have uh, maybe their accountants in there working alongside it as well. So we, we don't try and be everything for everybody um, I guess it's kind of in some ways modeled like the building company was, you know, so if you wanted to build a house, you got to get first the concept drawn up, right, what is, and for us, that's the strategy, what's the vision, what do you want to have, then once you've got a concept, you go and put that into some sort of working drawings, and that's your plan, right, once you've got your plans done, we can figure out budgets, then we can tweak it and go, okay, it's either going to work or it's not, depending on what your budgets are. Then from that, what we do is we help project manage that and we see the, the end results come through. And um, you know, and so I guess by, by the experience from being a builder and now putting that into this space, this is where I'm seeing we're able to really help businesses build because it's not just draw the concept plan and walk away or try and come in and, and put some windows in when they're not quite ready yet. You know, we we we've had people say, Hey, we want you to do this type of marketing, and we sit there and go, but you're not ready for that before we do that. But we need to fix the culture in the business or we need to upskill your team or you know there, there could be a few other things that need to happen first very good
0: so it's not just a light touch you guys really want to work with clients who, who you can kind of develop a partnership i'm guessing with uh, a kind of relationship yeah
1: Yep. Um, absolutely
0: looking back um to your teenage self is there is there one thing you would do differently knowing what you know now
1: I think i do differently. Um, in all honesty, I mean, there, there's moments, I guess, that I re- wish I hadn't done certain things. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, no, I, I believe I've made the right choices along the way, you know, and, and everything's happened for a reason. I don't have any regrets. I think that, um, you know, this is my story. This is my life. This is this just makes me who I am. So if I'd done things differently, then I'd be a different person now. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I actually quite like who I am now. So... <laughs> So, I'm allowed good. to say that. But, uh, a, absolutely, you are. That's a
0: good place to be. Uh, I want to finish by asking you, what are you looking forward to? What are you most looking forward to uh, at the moment?
1: Um, at the moment, what what, I'm, what really lights my fire at the moment is my team, actually. like I've had a lot of teams over the years. I've led a lot of teams, a lot of high, really high-performing teams, actually. But the current team I've got at the moment is phenomenal. Like, and I can't speak highly enough of them. The attitude, the camaraderie, uh, the, the lack of hierarchy, we just all get things done. Um, there's not been a team that I've been part of that has this type of, of feel to it. And... And it's infectious, you know, like it's it's exciting to come to work on a Monday. Um, you know, it's it, it, it genuinely is one of the best teams I've ever had. And and this is not just to promote us, but yeah. this is this is an awesome city. Like I, I love it. It's, and so what I'm really excited about is as we grow, so we've 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 had some big growth recently, and you know, we're now hitting around 23, 24 people and about to grow again with a few more that are coming on. Um, but what I guess what I'm loving is the feel that. We're still maintaining that culture, and, and that's, I'm really excited to see what we'll look like in another 12 months' time, because you know, another 12 months we could be 40 people, but I haven't seen a company, specifically not in this industry, that has this type of culture or feel. We we celebrate success, but we also celebrate mistakes, and we learn from it really well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fantastic team to be part of.
0: It comes back to what you said
1: earlier about the uh, the four people in the room surrounding yourself with the,
0: with, with the best people, and, and, and when you do that, magic can happen, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and and look, we've got people in here that are he better than I am, um, and that's what we want, you know. It's 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 been all about that for us. Fantastic.
0: Listen, Sharon, I really appreciate your time. Really nice to chat with you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. All the best. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and tell your friends. And if you've got time, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you use. Finally, if you want to learn more about how to tell your own origin story, visit my website, storybud.co. That's S T O R Y B U D dot co, dot co. Thanks again, and see you next time.